Hello, you guys, and welcome to We're Time This Together. You know, this is the podcast where we guide you through all of your favorite or not so favorite Disney Channel original movies. Thanks for listening. I'm Josh. I'm Lori. I'm Sammy. Get your red bow ties out and start popping that popcorn because today we're taking a look at Phantom of the Megaplex. This movie is about a young man working at a cinema on a special premiere night finds that the films being shown are full of strange and eerie occurrences. <gasps> a good <gasps> young man working at a cinema. The assistant manager. Mr. Assistant Manager. This this movie Well, let's just talk about it. Yeah, have you guys seen it before? Uh yeah. Yeah, this is my favorite one. Um, I'm pretty sure this is the one you said, like, I will do a podcast about Disney Channel movies as long as we get to watch this one. Yeah. I have not seen this one before. Like, I hadn't even heard of it until, like, when people find out that there's a DCOM podcast happening. This is one of the ones that gets mentioned. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, watching this, I realized I had seen it before, but I completely forgot about it i couldn't tell if this was supposed to be a scary movie or not you said it was kind of scary kind of halloween i think it was supposed to be silly i don't think it was supposed to be scary okay like nobody ever thought like oh man this phantom's gonna stab us all i don't think that was a consideration i think it scared me a little bit as a kid uh but like the eye the eyeballs behind the the cardboard cutout <laughs> At one point, that was a little spoopy, and uh, I don't Just know. Some, the idea of some, like, caped, masked man running around doing yeah, things. Yeah, they would, like, every time they showed the Phantom, it was in, like, a weird slow motion, and he's going, <laughs> and it was a little spooky for, like, a 12-year-old. I don't know. I don't know how I know how to scare you now. This I movie guess. starts out by Mickey Mouse coming onto the screen and screaming, are y'all ready for the best decom?" <laughs> That's exactly how it starts. According to these notes, at least. It actually starts, uh, much like the last movie we had, there was another old horror movie opening. Uh, How many of these have we had at this point? Where it's like a bait and switch with an old movie that costs like four cents to get the rights for. So Disney's like, Uh, we gotta use all these. There was what, Mom's Got a Date with with a Vampire. uh, I feel like Unwrapped started like that. Unwrapped did that kind of movie intro. Yeah, unwrap, un- unwrap, under wraps. Oh, sorry, unwrapped <laughs> is uh, something else. <clears throat> <laughs> it's actually a show where they show you how candy is made, hosted by that Mark Summers guy. <laughs> so <laughs> I understand where you're going with that one, but I'm like, wait, that's actually a thing. <laughs> okay. okay, good. Josh is talking about a different unwrapped Lori. No, this movie starts out with. Uh, a Phantom of the Opera type old classic movie with some crazy organ playing underneath it and a monologue that didn't quite make sense. Back in the olden times, there were days where the theater and magic and people and places. <gasps> yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Basically, it was telling the story of how this movie theater, this Megaplex used to be like kind of a more classic cinema back in the day. But it got burned to the ground. 
and there was some rumor that some guy got trapped in the burning building, but he may have survived, and so he still haunts the Megaplex to this day. <laughs> Pete, who's giving the voiceover, is a 17-year-old employee at the Megaplex. He's the assistant manager, Mr. Assistant Manager. Pete's like, he, Pete is 17, so he's almost legally an adult, yet did not feel the need to keep reminding anybody in the movie that he was an adult, which was nice. Yeah, it was refreshing. It was like, he's more mature than these 13-year-olds who are like, I'm Shocking. 13, mom. He is the assistant manager. Mr. Oh, I get it now. Got your reference for the Mr. Assistant Manager also. <laughs> I kept thinking, like, wow. wait, okay, did I just miss, like, a really funny plot point? But it's Arrested Development. You're being, make, referencing Arrested Development. Yes, yes. I'm anyway, referencing Arrested Development. I wanted somebody to come in and just be like, it's just assistant manager. <laughs> in, the, in the Phantom of the Megaplex, this is a nice theater. Like, this is huge. I think they said, like, 23 screens or something. So this is a big operation for these kids. I liked how they went through and kind of talked about each of their personalities. I I really like the kid who like had to ask a question after everything because I've definitely worked with those people like, hey, can you hand me a paper towel? Oh, do you want the ones from over here, over there? I'm like, I don't care. It's paper There's towel. ice cream falling on my hand. I need a paper towel. Please just get me a paper towel. Uh, my favorite of the movie theater employees uh, was Scary Terry, who had like <laughs> a spooky story for every situation. It was she was hilarious, and she was she was a minor character in Mean Girls too. She's the one who made out with a hot dog. Oh wow! <laughs> and then there was the girl they just called Honey or whatever, because she called everybody Honey, sweetie. <laughs> there was Mickey Rooney. I can't remember what they called his character. Movie Mason. Mason. Movie Mason. He was like, he had worked at, or his his dad had owned the original theater that had burned down. And then, like, this was built. But he, like, showed up every day. And working at a movie theater also, like, we had this guy. He wasn't, like. of course. Yeah, he was there every single day and would, like, get the printout of what movies were showing. And then, like, instead of, like, in this movie, they show him, like, giving the manager his schedule for the day. Uh, this guy would, like, write down what movies he had planned to watch for the day and, like, plan it all out and, like, see everything as it came out. And then, like, Oscar season would, like, rewatch everything to make sure he, like, knew which one should win. And the people at the movie theater were nice enough. They're like, sure, Movie Mason, you can hang out, pretend like you work here, and just be the nice, weird guy. So everyone's all in a ruckus. They're getting prepared for this giant movie premiere, which is happening at their Megaplex, and everyone is in a tiffy. They're, they're hanging decorations. They're putting up displays. Pete, our main dude, assistant manager, mister, um, he's got a girl coming tonight. He's like, yo, I got her tickets. She's going to show up. I'm going to be like, yeah, I got your tickets. You like the movie? Yeah, I can totally let you meet like the actors and stuff. Yeah. That's his plan. He wants to make out with this girl hardcore. They're pretty good at flirting in this movie they were really good at flirting it made me uncomfortable because i don't flirt like that (laughs) so the manager mr manager uh sean 
pulls everybody in line. He gives them Rally's speech to rival the one that Aragorn gives before the Battle of Helm's Deep. It's actually Mr. Manager is played by uh, Viggo Mortensen. So, oh you know, man, that would be. He may have been slightly out of budget for them. <laughs> for some reason, he like zeroes in on Pete and says, "If anything goes wrong, I'm throwing you under the bus." I was like, "Whoa!" Um, we get to meet his mom, and I love his mom. She was very like she was very strict, but without being an asshole about it. She seemed like a really cool mom. Oh, we also meet his little sister Karen and his little brother Brian, who is basically every little brother character that we've had in every yep. Disney Channel movie. The little brother Brian was annoying. I wanted to smack him a couple times. Wow. Uh, but they all are talking about their mom dating this guy george oh here we go here we go and they're all like jumping on the the wedding train yeah they're like mom when is this man gonna propose and then they all say they say this like really creepy quote i was like if you don't apply the headlock he might never comply with wedlock and yeah they say it like four yeah. times what does and, that even mean so what they're saying is like, like knowing decoms i'm sure they'd been dating for like four weeks too mom it's been over a okay. month oh, like yeah. when we don't know what happened to the dad either See? we don't know uh but i want to talk about that phrase if you don't apply the headlock he won't comply with wedlock so that's just saying you have to like force him to ask you to marry or ask him to marry you like you have like that's not healthy don't force anyone to marry you if they don't want to marry you, it's not going to be a good marriage. Just don't. Also, don't put out unless you're willing to marry them. You need to make it rhyme, Josh, or it doesn't count. <laughs> don't go out unless you're willing to put out. No. If, if you don't, if you don't <laughs> give head, you'll never be wed. There you go. There you go. Nailed it. <laughs> no, but don't. Also, don't have. Don't engage in um, intercourse before marriage ever. That's a sin. Uh, of one of the god is watching (laughs) the mom walks into the kitchen and pete's in there eating like brown rice out of a giant mixing bowl oh my gosh he's just like double fisting rice into his face mom's like hey pete i think you're working too much do you love movies because of your dead dad who also loved movies and he's like no i just i just want the movie or the money so it's like the big night and they're about to get ready for the premiere of this spooky movie and half the theater staff doesn't show they're sick they're whatever which i do not blame them it seems like this manager guy was like on the brink of firing anybody at any given time anyway so they're like yeah we're gonna go work in the movie theater down the street buddy things start off like on a bad foot definitely this premiere night is getting a little bit crazy and to top it off pete's siblings are also coming to the movie theater while mom goes out on a date with a vampire nope that was that was I mean, he may have been. We didn't know for sure. Everything took place at night and there was no garlic. Well, at the end of the movie, the werewolf hint is dropped. So maybe she's going on a date with a werewolf. The siblings are going to the movies as well. Brian, the youngest, is going to see Farmer Brown, which I guess is like a kid's movie. (laughs) Farmer Brown. Yeah, that was exactly the movie. And Karen, the sister, wants to see... uh, College of Blood? a university of death. Oh. The mom called it College of Blood because she was using the wrong words for everything. Yeah. So oh, silly. moms. Uh, yeah. Such a mom thing to do. What uh, type of movie is University of Death? I'm just Horror curious. movie. 
No, I, I mean, oh. I got that. But, like, okay. what happens in University of Death? So, I'm thinking it's, like, a bunch of college freshmen. Okay. Um, and they start their classes, and one by one, the classmates get murdered. <gasps> until it's down to, like, the five characters, uh, you know, Cabin in the Woods, where you've got, like, the virgin, the jock... What are the other stereotypes? <laughs> <laughs> the dumb blonde. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've run out of juice. And we go like back to the movie theater, and Pete's talking about how how much he really wants to bone this chick, Caitlin. Yeah. Um, but he he's gets pretty com- like nice guy here for a second because there's this other like jock-ish, good-looking guy who shows up all the time, and Pete's like. Girls like what's like girls like Caitlyn just want guys who have the cars and the nice clothes. They'll never go for a guy like me. Dates, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the only way I can compete is by making a shit ton of money at this job. And by giving her tickets to the premiere. How about you just not be a douchebag? How about you just see if she likes you for you? Yeah, you sound like a real sound like a real nice guy, and I. Don't care for it. Um, things are not going well. The lines are getting held up because there's only, like, two ticket takers, and everyone knows it's so hard to take tickets and to rip them and to hand them back to people. It's a lot of work, and two people are not enough for the amount of people flowing into this, like, major screen megaplex uh, with a premiere going on. Everything's just crazy. But, lucky for them... Movie Mason is standing over right in the corner. What could go wrong? But was... Movie Mason, still just the sweetest man. He ends up backing up the line because these guys wanted to see some movie that Movie Mason thinks is a lowbrow, a, a stinker, oh, total stinker. <laughs> and they wanted he to was see like, Transformers. Yeah, they wanted to see Transformers three, oh. and Movie Mason was like. No, look, Glimpses of Genevieve has been nominated for more awards than the <sighs> last five Oscar nominees. And uh, they're just like, argues. we just, yeah. like, just want to see this movie. Forever. Uh, and so Movie Mason <laughs> gets fired, which is such a shame. But I like how Sean was like, oh, I just got a call from Mr. Niedermeyer, which is the owner of the Megaplex. Yes. And he's like, uh... We can't have you working for us because you're an insurance liability. This whole megaplex is an insurance liability. <laughs> this entire night just, like, falls to shit. So, speaking of which, um, the little brother is uh, uh, getting some gumballs, you know, some candy. Uh, and the cap, like, breaks off of it, as as they do. Like, honestly, if you've ever been to a candy shop and, like... You break it's it. I'm just saying this is something that could happen to anyone. Okay, he breaks accidentally breaks something, and the bully kid comes in there and like breaks it even more, and all these gumballs fly out on the floor everywhere. People are falling on their backs. They are like throwing their popcorn in the air. Honestly, like this is enough to get you sued. What's the best way to clean this mess up, though? <gasps> 
with a hockey stick. Wait, where did that even come from? He just like whipped it out as if it was a completely normal thing to have hanging out at a movie theater. Like, oh, let me go get the hockey stick and clean this mess up. <laughs> Clearly doing it to impress Caitlin. She's not into it. She just like walks off. <laughs> Everyone else loves it, though. Good job. Everybody's cheering for him. Individually hitting each gumball into the garbage bin with the hockey stick. <laughs> Little sister and brother go on to Farmer Joe. Farm, farmer what? Farmer Brown. Farmer Brown. Farmer Brown. And she uh, gets her little brother set up and then uh, escapes from the uh, cinema sitter to go to University of Death with her friends. Our friend Pete, the assistant manager... He he get he runs into the theater, you know, and he like he's like, "Yo, Caitlin, what's up, girl?" He's doing the whole like backwards seat sitting, like he's sitting in the row in front of her, yeah. like sitting backwards, just leaning over the thing, being like, "Hey, baby." He's like, "Yo, I'm the assistant manager. Like, if you want to talk to like the talent, I can get that. I can make that happen." You like she's my like, bow tie? What? You want to wear my bow tie? No, it was even worse. Power. She was like, do you still get to wear the bow tie? And he's like, are you making fun of my bow tie? And she's like, I would never. Oh my god. (laughs) I don't know if I'm like cringing or if I'm like into it. I don't know. Somehow I just want to see some fan art with some bow ties. (laughs) He takes his bow tie off and just like clips it on her all sexy. (laughs) (laughs) And then that other dude who's her date i guess like comes in and he's like hey stop talking to this guy i am your date but he he's wasn't like, even rude about it he just like slips his arm around her and was like yeah. hey what's up and he's like by the way i heard there's a popcorn situation that you should attend to uh-huh. and there was a popcorn situation just yeah he saying. wasn't making it up things just keep getting worse glimpses of genevieve uh tends to be quite literal and the audience is seeing just a few glimpses of this movie. Wow. I loved how like specific the so when the stuff started going bad, it was the like twister-ish movie. Somebody had put a giant fan in there unnoticed somehow and turned it off or turned it on. So the fan was like blowing popcorn and like a cow toy and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> and then like as the shenanigans ensued with the brother trying to watch the one movie like he left and it was like the same stuff was happening on screen where it was like a guy telling a girl to like stay put and he came back and she was gone i liked how the the dialogue of the movies was directly related to what was happening in the movie i don't know i thought that was cute and clever yeah yeah i loved it it was Uh, cued up really well like the timing was really 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 good my favorite thing with that twister movie though was uh the fans turn on (laughs) no the fans turn on and everybody's like rushing out to see what's happening and this little old lady like spins out into the hallway and is like it's a tornado (laughs) (laughs) like the wind is actually blowing her from a fan outside of the I loved the guy who was just like sitting there enjoying the movie still and like popcorn was blowing towards his face. He just opened his mouth and ate the popcorn. He was like, this is an improvement. This is great. Sean, the assistant manager, not the assistant manager, Mr. Manager, has been missing. (laughs) He's been missing like all night. No one can find him. And things are going wrong. They need his help. Yeah, they're kind of desperate. They're like, popcorn's everywhere, little old ladies are blowing out into the hallway. 
Uh, and in the meantime, there's someone running around the movie theater wearing a cape and cackling. <laughs> Completely unrelated to the missing manager, I assure you. Totally unrelated. The missing manager has nothing to do with it this. It couldn't be because there's like creepy eyes coming out of these super realistic cutouts of people mm-hmm. that are just randomly throughout the theater. Uh Meanwhile, the kids won't stay in their goddamn seats. Oh my gosh. That girl is bouncing back and forth between those theaters. Like That girl was being way more disruptive. Like, take out the fact that she's talking through this movie. She's being way more disruptive, like coming in and out of the movie theater yeah. over and over again. Like sitting down. They're like, where have you been? She's like, I can't find my brother. I gotta go. Gets back up and leaves. And it's like, why did you even come in? Yeah. Like, Just forget about your brother and watch yeah. the movie. Yeah, either forget about your brother and watch the movie, or forget about the movie and find your brother. Pick one. Stop coming in and out. Go watch Farmer Brown. I'm sure it's a great movie. Yeah, uh, from what I could gather, it was a movie about a guy trying to find his missing girlfriend. Basically, (laughs) things keep going wrong, and the little brother, Brian, starts connecting the dots. He's like, someone is sabotaging these movies, and the things that's going wrong in the movies are what's going wrong in real life. Um, Pete asks his mom, he's like, yo, I'm not going to have any breaks tonight. Things are crazy. This is super, everything's going wrong. Um, I need you to pick up my little siblings who are being annoying and I can't find. And in the meantime, the mom, before she gets that phone call, she's talking to George about like, she's dropping some heavy marriage hints. She's taking her, she's taking her kid's advice, which seems like. So, like, you're like, you know what? I need a 13-year-old's advice on how to get oh, yeah. a guy to marry me. Um, so she says something about repotting plants. Mm. And he takes that metaphor. He understands. He picks up what she's putting down. And he just takes that metaphor and runs with it. He's like, oh, yeah. doesn't want to be repotted. I, yeah. have, I have plants. You, when they start growing too big, you put them in a separate pot so the roots have room to grow. If you combine two plants, they're going to die because they won't be able to, <laughs> like, thir- like flourish. It'll be bad. That's something know. George should have brought up. Plants need their space. <laughs> I don't want to be next to you and your multiple plants. I got my space over here with my enriched dirt, okay? Well, to be fair, that's kind of what George says. He's like, we have other little plants to be concerned about, and what if those plants don't want me to be potted with them? The kids, the Karen and Brian, go looking for the phantom instead of waiting for their mom in the lobby like they were told. And somehow they find this weird, like, shrine to old movie paraphernalia, like, in a basement that I guess nobody had heard of. I don't know how these kids stumble upon it if nobody else knew about it. Suddenly Mickey Rooney just shows up, kind of all creepy-like. As he does. And they find a poster of the Phantom of the Opera, and they're like, that's the evidence we needed. He is the Phantom of the Megaplex, yes. And so Brian, tactical as ever, is just like, are you the Phantom of the Megaplex? And Mickey Rooney, Movie Mason, whatever his name is, just magic goes into is this. everywhere. Magic life. Yes. Look around you, children. The world life is not what it seems, but magic happens in movies. Movies and magic and love. So no, I am not the Phantom. He, it turns out Movie Mason is not the Phantom because he loves movies or something. Aww. That was his reasoning. Yeah. Uh, it was a good reasoning. Yeah. 
this lady, who I guess is the agent for all of the actors and whatnot, who are there for the premiere. She was a like, fierce something. She was a fierce something something. She, like, storms in there, like, excuse me, nobody has come to greet me and my very important actors yet. Where is Mr. Manager? And everybody's like, he's still missing. Donnie, the guy who's on a date with Caitlin and is kind of a rival. I don't think that he's an intentional rival with Pete. I think he's just, Pete's declared himself a rival yeah. and Donnie's just living his life. But he, they have like this sword and a stone in the lobby. And I think like every 10,000th tug it comes out, and if you oh. pull out the sword... About... If you tug and then pull out. Does it sound... Oh my god, if that's the right number for you, Josh, I feel bad for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> How long would 10,000 take? 10,000 tugs? That sounds like a lot. I How mean, many tugs would... do you think you can do per second? Maybe like two. Two per second, so that's what, 120 per, per minute. Let's see. <laughs> Hold on, we have... Like, oh, this is super important. <laughs> a minute. So times 120. 60. Yeah, it'd be about an hour and a half or something. Of just straight tugging? <laughs> well, I'd get exhausted, personally. <laughs> anyway. Um, I forget what we were talking about. We were talking about how the bully is upset. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did not get free He's, tickets either. Yeah. So he pulls out the sword on the 10,000th tug. And I guess if... Whoever pulls out the sword is supposed to get free movie tickets or something. And he tries to use them for this big premiere, but they're sold out. And so they're trying to tell him, like, you can't get tickets to the premiere. You have to use them some other time. And he's like, but I won and I want my tickets. And he's like, I can just stand in the back. It's whatever. And he's like, one of the workers is like, haven't you heard of the fire safety codes? Like, you can't just stand in the back there. And then there's more more problems happening. Brian runs into some random theater and a trailer for Midnight Mayhem, which I think is the big premiere there. Trailer is running over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. And the projectionist can't get it to stop. The little brother runs up to the projectionist and like tries to blame him for everything. He's straight up like, have you ever seen the projectionist and the Phantom in the same room together? I think not. As he's accusing Merle of being the Phantom, the Phantom, like, runs in and messes with some shit. And they're all like, oh, uh, uh, and Merle, like, gives him a, like, a C look and then just runs away. So then they go over to, like, the manager's office and he was there, like, hanging from a coat hanger, gagged mm -hmm. and tied up. And I want to know... Did nobody bother checking his office when he's been missing this whole time? While they're running out of the manager's office, uh, the little sister finds a key on the floor. <gasps> what could that key go to? I don't know. Mason, movie Mason, is out on the red carpet singing, and it's adorable. Like, he's got this whole musical number, and the audience is into it. Everybody's clapping along. And Sean comes out and just berates him. I don't know why. What does he have against Movie Mason? He's just entertaining the crowd while they're waiting for to for Sean to let them in. Yeah, if uh, anything, he saved their asses pretty hard right there. Yeah. And some girl you hear off off camera comes to his defense, like, hey, leave him alone. And Sean's like, shut up, lady. 
And then you cut to the limo and it's the star actress getting out of the limo. And Sean just told her to shut up, which was less than ideal. Yeah, less than ideal. But she's actually friends with Movie Mason. She grew up in this town. She grew up going to that theater. She and Movie Mason are BFFs forever. And that was me. And he's her date to this premiere. Wow. Yes. It was so adorable. They make a cute couple. Oh, the inflatable monster is missing from the roof. The big old, big old monster. Mr. Niedermeyer's pissed off about it because apparently that was supposed to be there and it's not. Uh, And Pete is like, yo, we can't find the key to the roof anywhere. So does anyone know where that is? Uh, I don't know if you listeners are aware, but about five minutes ago, we talked about a key that was found. <gasps> have you have you oh have you pieced things together? A key. It's <laughs> so they're having this good field time. Yo, you're cool. I should talk to you more. Let's hang out more. I don't need to work as much because I should focus on my family and doing things that are important to me. And cue the Phantom, who wraps them up in like a black cape or something. It was kind of hilarious. All he does is like drop a sheet on them and then run around them in a circle with a rope. And that was it. It was like out of Scooby-Doo. It was hilarious. They were trying to like scoot together towards this like water handle thing. What are those called? A knob is the word. A valve. A valve. A valve. I was expecting them to like try to untie themselves on that and it to like bust open and spray water. Like I thought so too. It seemed weird that they were going specifically for like a lever that did a thing of all things that's the thing that did not end poorly but in the meantime the the big premiere movie is starting and the inflatable monster has been found oh no it's in the theater and it is being inflated right there and it is too large to fit in a theater it start coming down on people. Oh it's, no! It's a mess. It's a nightmare. The head of the monster like goes to eat the director. It was really funny. When I like how it's not like okay, let's all get scissors or literally any other slightly stabby thing. They're like, we need the sword. Yeah, I thought like, could nobody yeah. be like, hey, does anybody have a pocket knife? Literally anything. So instead, Pete decides to jump onto the audience with a sword. Into an inflatable thing. Which, it's a real sword, apparently. They, like, for this game, they're deciding that people who come to the movie theater should potentially be able to have access to an actual sword. Pete saves the day. He pops the monster with the sword. Just like that. And... (laughs) I didn't... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They unveil the phantom. Guys, do you have any guesses on who it might be? Oh my gosh. At this point, Is it... I was pretty sure it was the manager. I seriously did not know until they, like, figured it out. They went through, like, Until they everyone. were like, this is what's happening. Um, yeah, they find out that it was the manager, and he gets fired. And then Mr. Niedermeyer offers the main character, whose name I definitely didn't forget just now, a job. And, like as the manager and he's like i don't have time i need i need to take tonight off which yeah it's probably like midnight at this point you're done well to be fair the movie hasn't started yet so they do still need staff well but then mr niedermeyer's like here's some money to take your girl out for breakfast oh, well, and i was yeah. like okay hold on how old do you think what are you, what do you encourage like here's for tomorrow yeah i didn't know where that was going either Lori. like 
$20 for breakfast? Is it like late night breakfast? Like I hop at 2 a.m. where you like go to a movie and just like eat out? Or is it like no, he breakfast? Also, he also slipped them a hundy to get a hotel room. Dang, he did the cool like the really suave like handshake thing i missed it uh-huh oh, yeah, yeah. Um, george proposed no george don't be pressured into this he, oh, he had a ring on him so. he didn't have a ring on him oh i thought he did Maybe no he didn't have a, that was that was part of the plot he like he's proposing he's like i might be ready to be repotted and where's like, so analogy sorry. you're gonna die dude <laughs> He's like, I'm so sorry, I don't have a ring. And then movie Mason appears, and he's like, will this do? And it's I'll like a prop ring. He like pulled yeah, he... it off his dead wife's cold, hard body. Hard yeah. is a weird word to go with. <laughs> it was definitely a <laughs> He actually keeps his dead wife's cold, hard body in the basement with his movie paraphernalia. Oh. And, he's um, like, this is much like the scene from Psycho, is what I'm alluding to here. Nothing weird going on, just a movie fan. Uh-huh. And then he he slips George the ring, and George uses it to propose. And Aww. the mom the mom like looks around, and everybody's like vigorously nodding at her. And finally, she's like, "Yeah, okay, I guess," because everybody told I me say to. No. The entire marriage subplot felt like the kids were like, "Hey, pressure George into marrying you," and then George pressures her into saying yes. Uh, it's like everybody. It's all this external pressure. On the marriage, and I don't like it. You know, it was unfortunate, Sean, the manager, who seemed to think that the best way to get back at his boss for not treating him correctly, question mark, was to sabotage everything and ruin the premiere. And I'm I'm very upset that we never got a werewolf of the Megaplex it could story. They're still making decoms, not the yeah. 13 a year they were making at this point, but they're still out there. <laughs> The Phantom of the Megaplex strikes again. <laughs> the Phantom got the audio. Shut up, Brian. Oh, um, hi there, you guys. This is Josh from the future. Not to be confused with Phil of the future. Uh, he's not here right now. Um, we may have had a few technical difficulties with the ending of this episode, so I'll sum it up for you here. Sammy rated this like a 10 or 8 or something. Lori rated this about an 8. I rated this about a 5 because, you know, whatever. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's about all that happened. I'll let you return to uh, our previously recorded outro. Alright, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of We're Potting This Together. If you have any questions, comments, or memories of your favorite Disney Channel original movie, you can find us on social media or email us at pottingthistogether at gmail.com. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe or leave a review. Later.